Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. All right, so I'm sitting down today with Bradley Lockhart. Brad, or I'm going to call you Brad. I'm just, you know, probably your or B money or I don't know yep. what we're going to call you, but do it to it. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was introduced to you from Erica because Erica mm-hmm. was a guest on the show. And then Erica did our new logo revamp. And she said that you could, uh, you were the guy with the hookup on enamel pins. I, I don't know oh, if yeah. you want to be known as the guy with the hookup on enamel pins, but that's what we're going to say. Sure. And then, you know, we started talking and, and you've got this, this whole, this whole list of things I can rattle off here. So we're going to go with in no, no particular order. Uh, you're the designer of the official Bellingham flag. Uh, you mm-hmm. are the owner of Lariat Creative. You, uh, you and your uh, business partner came up with the evergreen bandana game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys have a Northwest corner goods store. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you're a professor at Western, not a professor, but I do teach at Western. Okay. So you're, it's like, you're not a doctor, but you play one on TV type thing. Okay, Pretty cool. much. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you are championing that the state of Washington should update their state flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were in a band. I love the name of this one, black eyes and neckties. Yep. And so that was kind of what, uh, lounge act. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, you're currently playing in a band called Dryland. Yes. I know I've left off some stuff, but uh, so thanks for hanging out with me today. That's most of it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. I don't really know where to start, but Ooh. let's let's start with the Bellingham flag. Let's just let's go that. So yeah, are you familiar with it? I Have am you now. I so am you hadn't now. seen it before being I, down in Wenatchee. Yeah, Wenatchee. We you know, I bet you'll see it now that you've seen it though. That's the thing. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did you get started? I mean, how does one go about, I mean, when you were a little kid in the backyard, did you say, I want to design a flag? Is that, I mean. Definitely well, not. Okay. Actually, <laughs> I did read something about you, though, that you didn't even realize that being a graphics designer was something you could do in college. That is correct. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't even know graphic designer was a job until I was like, in my almost mid twenties and like already kind of was one, you know, like, huh? yeah. So what were you, so when you were a kid growing up, what did you want to do? What was, I think I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I mean, like every kid, <laughs> like okay. I remember I had a bull whip, I had a hat, like I lived in rural Whatcom County on like 20 acres okay. by the Nooksack river. I had jungle forts and like, uh, yeah, many tree houses, rope swings, uh, a lot of just, just like Huck Finn type life. <laughs> Okay. Sleep it, sleeping on the shores of the Nooksack River, making fires. Um, uh-huh. But but yeah, definitely. I mean, even at a young age, I was like gravitated towards visual art. You know, drawing Ninja Turtles and monster <laughs> trucks, and like, you know, I think I just started making stop motion movies with my camera when I was you know like eleven or something with claymation and things like that, and definitely started like sticking my fingers in things even before I knew what I was doing. Did you ever, speaking of claymation, did you ever see the Microsoft game, The Neverhood? No. Oh, you go check that out. Okay. Uh, Microsoft back in the 90s was, 
uh, back when games were on CDs. This predates mm-hmm. you, 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 young, you youngster. Oh no, now, I remember these things. Okay, but so they had they had this. It's the Neverhood is a claymation game. Nice. It's really cool. The Neverhood it sounds yeah, great. Yeah, check it out. You'll you, you as a as a as a graphics guy, you'll probably you might pick it apart. But on the uh-huh. other hand, I think you might be like, this is really cool. Oh yeah. And I just want to know why we don't have more games like this. Yeah, my that's kid, a good question. My kid plays it still. I mean, oh, killer. He he goes back and he runs through it and he's got it all figured out. It's kind of like a puzzle game. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, but I it's, think I had like Scorched Earth on our Tank Wars on my computer in like the early nineties. Okay, that was about it. Just like little tanks that blew each other right. up. Yeah, yeah, I remember Scorched Earth. That's yeah. about as okay. far back as I can think as but I can remember. Yeah, Neverhood. Go 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 check it out when you're when you're done with this, and then get back to me and tell me what you think. Absolutely. Um, so. So How did I get up, to the flags though? Yeah, you you grew up, you're an outdoors guy and all this stuff. And so, and then you didn't really even realize that being a designer was like, like an option. No, definitely not. So who, who broke the news? Like, that's almost like realizing that Santa's not real. I mean, like, yeah. you, <laughs> how'd that happen? I don't recall like the moment it happened, but I mean, like you and I already started talking about, I did get involved in music at a very young age. So okay. you know, I got to get got a guitar when I was 13, started a like band when I was 15. And, you know, by 16 was playing shows in bars and like, mm-hmm. you know, playing shows out of town and things like that. And um, instantly being in a band, you know, a self funded, whatever I like to call it, nonprofit bands or <laughs> community service bands. <laughs> Cause there's ultimately no, there's no getting out of the hole with these, with these creative oh, projects. No. But I, I had to instantly start like making graphics. Like, I mean, just for hanging posters around my high school, like I needed to tell people that we had booked the Grange hall for a hundred bucks and that we were going to play a show and we needed to at least make our hundred bucks back. Right. So I started, you know, I got like pirated Photoshop, maybe Photoshop like seven or six or something like nineties Photoshop. Right started hacking together posters had no idea why they always turned out blurry because like nobody ever taught me about uh you know file uh dpi dots uh-huh. french you know like right. resolution I, I had no idea what resolution was spent hundreds of dollars on posters that were the wrong resolution um <laughs> but yeah you know mostly just hacking things together eventually drawing stuff and then eventually the band's like was like okay we're putting out a record like oh crap we need like a record cover or we're we're going on a tour we need a t-shirt like we have, we need a website, you know? And so everything that I did, I had, to, I had to do just to help myself. It was like a self-serving machine, you know? Right. Okay. And so then, and I rolled that pretty hard till, you know, early, well, mid twenties really went. And then when the music started to slow down, that's when like venues and other artists started asking me to do it for them. So they're like, we have a record. we like your record cover. Can you do it for me? Like, Oh yeah. And like, here's a couple hundred bucks. And I'm like, Oh wow. This is like, I'm already making more money here than music. Like I'm starting <laughs> above. Uh, so when I went into school, when I looked it up, I'm like, can you get a, can you get a degree in this? Yes. It's called graphic design. Like, Oh, okay. You know, I'm already like 22 or whatever. And, I roll in and my portfolio is like, here's my poster for my European tour, you know, and here's my t-shirt that I sold like 300 copies of. Like I'm definitely flexing from the gate because everything's like real, you know, right. and not not just like hacked together, you know, <laughs> fake uh, hair salon logo or whatever. Um, 
so that's you know that that plunged me into into graphic design and and all of a sudden and I, I went to college when I was 18 but I instantly flunked out like had no idea what I was doing living in a terrible housing situation with like yeah machine guns and like flaming cars and all kinds of mayhem like rural Whatcom County mayhem so I ended up going back to Western where I had flunked out of you mm -hmm. know with terrible grades and then all of a sudden you know my first class I get an A and I'm like an A in college like I didn't even know I could physically do that but it's because it was like you know, I don't know, typography or illustrator or something that I like already cared about. Right. So I'm like, oh crap, like I care about this and I can get a degree in it and I can make money in it. So that just kind of kicked me in the pants and sent me on my way. That's pretty cool. But we still haven't gotten to the flag, but we're not going to now because I got to come back to this. So when you were a kid getting a guitar 13 or so, mm -hmm. what was your musical influences when you first started going down the musician route? like out of the gate, like yeah. 13 learning guitar. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely like skateboarding had influenced me because, you know, a couple years prior to that, I had started skateboarding, maybe 11, 12. Mm -hmm. And and you and it's like something you, you know, eventually you figure out you can do it. And then you start watching skate videos and you start meeting other skateboarders. And all of a sudden they're like, punk rock exists. And this is like, I mean, this is the story old as time. Like you <laughs> extreme sports turn you on to punk rock and then, you're like punk rock is easy like anybody can do it like i can do it in like two seconds and so <laughs> yeah it was definitely like pennywise that band pennywise that song bro him it's like the classic broy jock snowboarder whatever anthem i think that was maybe the first song i learned on guitar you know in yeah. a kid's basement or whatever um so yeah instantly into like punk rock pop punk and yeah like i said the the, the bar is so low to like right. start a punk band. I mean, you can literally learn like two chords, one drum beat, and you are good You're or good. good enough to play a show. Right. Um, right. So yeah. Right. And right, right away we were writing our own music too, which I think is kind of unusual, but like even at yeah. 14, we were like trying to learn a song and then couldn't quite learn it. And then you start to kind of deviate on your own direction. And then you're like, I actually kind of like the way my bad version of this song sounds. And then I'm like, Oh, I'll just write some corny lyrics to it. Like, Oh crap. I have a song that I made, you know? Right. And like, so I was really instantly into that. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. You go to Western. Uh-huh. You get an A. I got several A's. Okay. I ended up raising it up to, to graduate. Uh -huh. Okay. So you graduated from Western. Congratulations. Graduated from Western. Okay. Got a job within a week. I mean, that's what's really amazing about graphic design. And, you know, a little plug for people who maybe think about it is that it's so much less of an abstract education than like history, English philosophy. It's like, it's almost more of a vocation. Mm -hmm. Like here are the tools to do the thing. Let's spend months learning the tools. Oh, and then here's 2000 jobs that are hiring. Right. So, you right. know, within a week I got a job. It wasn't a, a very glamorous job. I was designing fireball cinnamon whiskey posters that were hanging in like CD Montana bar bathrooms, uh, maybe 10 a day. Uh, just cranking them out, designing them, printing them, shipping them to these weird bars. And then, you know, Fireball would pay the liquor distributor I was working for because their logo was on the poster or whatever. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it was okay. a, a weird dynamic. I was working for a liquor distributor who represented uh -huh. like hundreds of brands. And I was just doing all the point of sale marketing. So just like you walk into a bar and it's like, it's Fireball Wednesday, drink a shot of Fireball. Like, I'm the idiot that had to like type that out and print it out and mail it to you. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. 
um, in Seattle. So I'd moved from Bellingham to Seattle. And then my freelance was starting to pick up, you know, like I'd always, like I said, I started freelancing, you know, I started doing posters for bands and it just started to kind of swing up. So I was like, I think I can maybe shift back to focus on this for a while. So I quit my full-time job, freelanced for maybe like six months, moved back to Bellingham. Um, uh, cause I had some, you know, band at the time that I was based up there that was also taken off. I'm like, okay, this is the place to be. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I was recruited to work at a tech company in Bellingham. Um, they're called, they were called Logos at the time. Now they're called Faith Life and they're like a Bible software company. Okay. Like the, the biggest one in the world, basically. I mean, so you went from mid- booze to Bibles. Yeah. I went from punk rock to booze to Bibles. Uh, okay. and the reason was they were hiring motion graphics artists. So animators. And that had caught my eye. I was like, a company in Bellingham is hiring animators, not just like an animator, but like multiple. And like, that doesn't make any sense. Cause while yeah. we have a hundred thousand people, we don't have that much technology. We don't have that many jobs in that world. And so mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So I applied and was instantly rejected. They're like, you don't, you can't do this. You've animated a few things, but you're not an animator. I'm like, okay, fair enough. You know, mm-hmm. but then they're like, we're hiring production artists, which is like an entry-level graphic designer. And so I was like, okay, I'll do that job, knowing that I'm just going to bother them the whole time in order to do the other job. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. So I, you know, I had a contract, worked for like eight months, but the whole time was like hounding them that I wanted to be on the animation team. And so by the time the contract ended, I had a job kind of waiting for me on the animation team which is what I wanted in the first place. So that was awesome. So while I'm on the animation team, um, a, a organization in Bellingham called the downtown Bellingham partnership. were like, we want to design a flag for Bellingham. Um, so they reached out to all of the like graphic design studios, people that kind of work in the professional creative world, whatever. Mm-hmm. We weren't a studio. We were an in-house team, but there was like 30 of us. I mean, there was animators, illustrators, designers, video people. So we had a pretty yeah. big, group of people right and i was like kind of more at the junior end i mean there was a lot of a lot of people older than me more talented and everything and so they are all like does anybody want to do this flag thing and i was like i would like to do the flag thing and so i kind of threw in a couple other people threw in um but i was the only one that grew up in whatcom county in bellingham like everybody else were like fancy folks that had been poached from Dallas, Texas or whatever, you know, but I was the kid that slept on the shores of the Nooksack river, you know, like the head in the sand. So I knew the history of, I knew the indigenous history. I knew the, like the European history. And more importantly, I'd been involved in the art scene for over a decade now. You know, I wasn't just the guy working at the Bible software company. I was the guy who's been in the punk band for 10 years already. So I knew that I had that kind of more community connection. And sure enough, I won the contest and we raised the flag in 2016 at like an unofficial event. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we raised it, people just got obsessed with it. Like the entire community got like a dude got a tattoo of it within like three days of seeing it. So wait, I got to stop you. Are you saying people are walking around with permanent examples of your work? Yes. Is that good? It's kind I mean, of, they could, you can black out any tattoo though, you know, I, <laughs> I know, but it's still, it's pretty, that's needles terrify me. I will never get a tattoo. Okay. I find most tattoos to not be appealing. Sure. But every now and then I see stuff. I'm like, 
that person's committed. Like, yeah, they're, they're like somebody with like full sleeve jacket, you know, Asian art. Yeah. 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 Traditional Japanese. They are, they're committed to this and it's kind of cool. They're a lifer for sure. At that point. I've heard, you know, I've seen people with bad Harley tattoos. I mean, like, Oh, absolutely. Misspelled Harley, you know, because they got it done after drinking too much fireball at a bar in Montana with a weird poster and mm. no, no rag rats. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but the fact that your flag design, your art. Yeah. Somebody went out and got a tattoo of it is kind of mind blowing. That's well, it is mind blowing because at the time it was kind of more associated with me. It was like Brad's flag. That guy, that weirdo Brad has a flag, but now, I mean, there's probably like, I would say at least 50 of them or so out there, you know, cause I see them every once in a while, but most of the people that are getting it have no idea who I am. You know, they're just like, this is the flag of the place I love, you know, that's, that's at cool, this point man. been around for seven years. So they're not so much celebrating the art as they are celebrating the place because it's like the perfect symbol of the place. But you, you made the, it's an iconic representation of the place. So yes, that's mm -hmm. very cool. All right. Totally. So that was, uh, yeah, 2016, rolled okay. it out, was unofficial. You know, the city government had nothing to do with it. The mayor mm -hmm. hated me. Like, she hated everything I was about. She tried to shut it down at every turn at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but there was really no stopping it because we, we didn't have a flag, so we weren't replacing something. Mm -hmm. um, and when enough people started championing it, you know, and I instantly put it in the public domain, instantly started donating it to businesses like our co-op. Uh, mm -hmm. we have a huge brewing scene. So like, you know, the brewery started making pint glasses with it and patches and hats and, um, that sort of thing. It just became this like mass effect all over the city. Um, so the city couldn't really ignore it forever and they ignored it for about a year. And then all of a sudden they're like, can you come to this city council meeting? I'm like, sure. And, you know, tell the story. And then they're like, can you go meet with the, the Nooksack tribe and make sure it's cool that because the stars on the flag represent right. our two indigenous tribes, like make sure they're cool with it. I'm like, yeah. So I, you know, meet with the tribes and they're all like, oh, yeah, this is great. We love it. You know, and um, there are all these little like technical kind of hurdles that I had. To, they're like, can you meet with the city attorney and make sure that you don't sue us if we use it? You know, <laughs> and I'm like that your great grandchildren don't sue us. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. OK, whatever. You know, just checking every box until right. Uh, 2017 is when it was officially adopted. So about two years after I designed it. That's, I mean, that's a very cool story. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, I'm surprised it's, only two years, frankly. It's still having all kinds of weird effects too. Like, you know, I do, I do lots of talks about it, but like I get contacted all the time about other cities that want to do it too. I mean, all over the country, because the Bellingham flag is one of the more popular city flags in the country now. Like right. it's, it's in the top 20th percentile of popularity. And I only know that because they just did a huge survey of all the new city flags. There's been 300 new ones since 2015 and mine was in 2015 and it's, you know, it's up there. So people are like, how did you get this person's approval? And you know, what, what steps did you do here? And should I change this about my design? You know? And like, I, so I, I answer a lot of emails about it and yeah, it's cool to see its effects kind of continuing on. That's, that's very cool. And so you, you put it, so one of the things I read is that you put it in the public domain, mm -hmm. which I'm, I'm surprised, not, I'm not surprised that you did. I don't mean like that, but I'm surprised. I mean, you, you basically, the way, the way I'm interpreting it is you, you gave away your art. You, yes. You, you gave it to the public, which is very cool mm -hmm. and not, 
what I would expect of 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 an artist. I mean, but yet I also either when we talked on the phone or when I read, you you are you're you're producing flags. You guys sell them at at your store, so it's you're still it's still a revenue generator for you. And I don't mean to sound like a a greedy capitalist going, "Whoa, I make all this money." No, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's it was cool because I think maybe that's kind of why. Had it just been you and you were selling it, license, you know, maybe just creating things, the city wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, the oh, groundswell yeah, no. wouldn't have been there. Mm-mm. But <clears throat> walk me through the decision to make it public domain. What was, what was going on that you decided to do that? So pretty early on, um, I started getting like advised by people who were like experts in this arena. And there's a whole world of flag expertise called vexillography or vexillology. And uh, I don't know if you know much about that, but it's a pretty, uh, pretty nerdy, deep world. Um, It's basically the science and history of flags and flag design. Okay. And one of the main tenets or whatever legal principles, anything that you want to, any way you want to slice it, real flags are public domain. Every single real flag in the United States, at least, is, is a public domain symbol. So is the state of Washington flag public domain? Yes. Okay. And anyone can make their own merchandise and sell it. Anyone can do anything they want to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really, really important step of it becoming real. So if I had, like, if my goals had just been to, yeah, make as much money as popular as possible and, you know, do as much with this flag as possible, um, but not make it real, then I wouldn't have made a public domain. But mm-hmm. my real goal was like, I want this to be legitimately real. You know, I want it to be mm-hmm. actually official, official. Right. And so that's a pretty important step in that process. And I've designed probably like 10 flags now since then. You know, some of them have been commissioned. Some of them have just been for fun. Um, but that's the only one that is official and the only one that I've actually put in the public domain because, you know, I kind of foresaw it getting officially adopted, like it coming down the road. That's, and that's I, pretty amazing. Actually. Okay. I've done like, I guess I've done like one other similar thing where the Whatcom County government hired me to design a graphic. That's kind of like a, I, it was like, I heart Whatcom with this detailed illustration of Whatcom County and like all this outdoorsy stuff. And when they did that, they were like wanting the results of the flag. So when we did that, they're like, this is going in the public domain. I'm like, okay, you know, like mm-hmm. they're hiring me. I'm doing a job. Like right. they can do what they want with it. And they, right. they chose to put it in the public domain, but I guess I can't really think of anyone else, you know, no other brand that I've worked with or whatever have, has done that. And yeah. Did, did having the flag be adopted by the city of Bellingham, did it help your I mean, I think the answer is obviously, I think the answer is obviously yes, but did it help your, your, your business? Yes, absolutely. I had to quit my job. So I was working, like I said, full-time as a in-house motion graphics designer was my title, uh, animator. Uh, but once, yeah, the summer of 2017. So a few months after the official adoption, it was just like so many emails all the time about logos, animation, illustration, all the things that I do now mm-hmm. were coming my way that I had to quit. You know, I had to be like, sorry guys, like I'm going to go on my own. And that's a pretty normal progression for someone like me. And mm-hmm. eventually I might work, you know, full-time for someone again, but it's been seven years now, I guess, six years. I can't okay. do the math, but yeah, I definitely took off from there. So how, 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 how did the flag impact your teaching classes at, 
Western? Uh, yeah, it definitely had a little bit of an impact because I've never been a teacher and I never like had really planned to do it, but I started getting asked to do creative talks at school. So I was doing it like boys and girls club, elementary school, high school, eventually colleges. I've been to a few colleges around Washington state. And, uh, one of my old professors who was like the head of the graphic design department, he was about to retire or he was like kind of foreseeing his retirement. Mm-hmm. And he had a few of these like grandiose visions. And he's like, man, I really want there to be more focus on illustration and animation in our program. But like, I don't know how to do that. So what he did is he created the illustration certificate program at Western Washington University. And he reached out and he hired me to teach in that program. So okay. Definitely the flag and and the fact that he'd seen me. I actually spoke at his daughter's class, which was really funny. So like his daughter worked at an elementary school. She asked me to come and give a presentation. And then I'm sure she was like, one of your old students came and talked to my third graders, you know, and he's he's doing a lot of cool stuff, you know. And so so he reached back out and was like, can you would you be interested in teaching this animation class was my first class. And uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. You know, and I mean, what kind of that's a comeback story for the ages. I flunked out of the college that I now teach at uh, that people now pay me just to be there, (laughs) Uh, which is good to be there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Most people have to pay to be there, but I get paid to be there, which is pretty nice. And it also helps. It's like, you know, some of my stories, some of my students are having a hard time, you know, not keeping up. And I'm like, look at man, like I failed out of here straight up and I was able to turn my ship around. So Right. You know, it's a, it's a good incentive for them. But yeah, that was maybe four or five years ago. And now I teach two classes. So one in the fall, one in the winter, both in this like very specific certificate mm-hmm. that's open to both graphic designers and fine artists. So it's kind of a fun mix of the two. One's like been doing Photoshop since they were 13, like me, but mm-hmm. doesn't know how to draw lips. Uh, <laughs> but the other one is like in a brilliant illustrator, but has no idea where the text box is in, you know, whatever. GIMP or whatever whack-a-mole program they're using. Do you see yourself doing more teaching? Um, maybe. I think I would take on one more class. Okay. But I love the freedom that my life has as far as being able to, you know, I've been animating a film for the last three months for, mm-hmm. about the about the Skagit River. And you know, I'm recording a new album this weekend with my band, you know, and like, I love the flexibility of only teaching one class per right. quarter. Um, but I think I could, you know, I could probably do one more. Okay. But yeah, everything well, we, in my life is like a balancing act. You know, I take on more here and then I, I lose more here. So it's about priorities, I guess. How did you guys come up with Northwest Corner Goods then? And what does that, what does that, cause that's a retail location. So you got a physical mm-hmm. shop with hours. So that doesn't yep. seem like it's fits into that. It's not conducive. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's kind of almost seems like, you know, the cement shoes around your feet, if you will. Yeah. Sometimes it is for sure. And it's been like an experiment with the actual store. So mm-hmm. Kevin and I, he's my business partner. We started Northwest corner goods in 2019. And so this is, you know, three years into me making flag merch. And that's kind of where my like merch brain kicked off. Of course I made the t-shirts for the band starting in, you know, the late nineties, but like, I'd never really done much more than that. And now all of a sudden it's like, people want flag patches. People want flag enamel pins Mm -hmm. and I should be the guy to sell them to them, you know? So (laughs) I, I figured out some of that stuff, but I was also pretty terrible at it. Like I was ordering like, 
flags from a company that I thought was in Alabama, but really they were made in China and just being, you know, resold to me at like five times the cost or whatever. Gotcha. So I, I made a lot of mistakes for a lot of years uh, because it really wasn't my focus. And in 2019, Kevin, who worked as like a business manager and uh, he worked in finance and had all these different kinds of jobs, he was like, you know, I think I could help you figure out better terms of ways of making this stuff. And then maybe we could grow it into something bigger. And so that's kind of been what we've been up about since then. We opened our store in 2021. We're probably actually going to close it because like you're saying, it is kind of cement shoes, but it was just sort of an experiment. Mm -hmm. We're, we wholesale. So we're in like around a dozen stores in Bellingham. So, you know, every gift shop sells something with the Bellingham flag on it. And I'm generally the guy that, that gives it to them. And, uh, but now we've started, yeah, doing like manufacturing for other businesses, mm -hmm. mostly just through kind of word of mouth. We don't advertise ourselves as such, but we've helped out probably 20 or 30 businesses at this point, just because once Kevin was able to cut out those middlemen, you know, now I guess we are the middlemen, <laughs> right? We've middlemanned ourselves, mm -hmm. but, uh, we've got this pretty great process and it's, it's a lot more personal than just, you know, filling out a form on a website or whatever. So, you know, you're going to get something good. Um, but yeah, you know, in the bandana game, like you mentioned briefly in the beginning, that's probably being our biggest kind of like joint effort where we like <laughs> thought of something together, mm -hmm. made a Kickstarter, made the thing, you know, figured out all the production. Now, if somebody actually people are like, can you help me make a game? Like, where did you get your dice made? And like, where did you get your rules made? And so now we've like, we're just taking on learning all this stuff and helping out other people and ourselves really. Well, let's, let's talk about the bandana because what was the motivation? <clears throat> Why? I mean, I like, I mean, I like the idea that it's a bandana, something that you can literally, you know, wad up into your pocket, shove it in your backpack. It doesn't, you know, we can flatten it's it in, out. And, infinitely <clears throat> washable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So durable. What, what <clears throat> I mean, we can talk about game design. Yeah. Or, but what got you guys started? What where, where was the, the inspiration? Hey, let's do a bandana game. Totally. Yeah. It kind of like happened a little bit on accident, but I want to say over the last few years, a lot of my favorite artists have been releasing bandanas. Uh, like, and it's, it used to be like a bandana was a thing. It was a specific blue, white, red, black thing mm -hmm. with a paisley design. And I feel like it's been, it was that for like a hundred years, yep. but now all of a sudden in the last like five, 10 years, artists have figured out like, oh, I could print this graphic on a bandana, which I could then sell that some, someone could hang it on their wall. They could wear it around their neck. Like uh, they could do all kinds of things with it. Um, and I myself have been collecting them now for a few years since kind of my favorite artists started doing this. And it was like just kind of a newer thing that we wanted to get on board with. So the first bandana I designed was a Bellingham themed bandana. And it had like icons of what people love about us like the beer and bicycles and music and, and then had like illustrations of our city hall and uh lummy island and just kind of like iconic stuff and i made this maybe two years before the washington one but people really liked it a lot like i reprinted it probably like 10 or 20 times okay. and I would, I would like to do it in different colors you know like maybe just one color of ink but different colors of fabric and seemed like a really cool thing and and the success of that was like we should do this and then just scale it up like do what's the washington state version of this thing you know mm -hmm. um so i started drawing it and i love the like funky like mid-century 
like old postcard art style maps of of like mm -hmm. Washington. And I mean, I'm sure there's a map of like that of every state, but you know, there's a cartoon, you know, Sasquatch and there's whatever. And so like, I was like, okay, I want to do that style because I love that style. This kind of thing that you would find in an antique store or whatever. And mm -hmm. we started messing around with it. And I think Kevin, because he is more of a game guy than me, you know, I, I love pinball and a handful of board games, but I don't really mess with the game world. He does a lot. And he's just like, well, this has a grid on it. Like it's it's clearly, you know, it's flat. Uh, it's got different shapes. If we could just put like a path in there, it could be a board game. And we're like, yeah, why can't it be a board game? You know, I'm like we thought like none of us had ever seen a bandana board game. Quick Googling, like you can find like a bandana chessboard or checkers board or whatever, but there was definitely nothing like what we were thinking of doing right and so uh yeah i designed the whole thing made a bunch of really fun it just it was like a fun washington state nerdy experiment which i'm sure you would appreciate like yep. we're like okay so if you're in the puget sound like or, or if you're on like the olympic peninsula and but you got to get to Wacom county like okay you could you could catch the ferry you could catch the ferry from port townsend you know but if you don't have a ferry reservation then you have to take the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. You got to drive the long way around. We're like, okay, so you'll roll dice when you land on there. And if you have a ferry reservation, then boop, you know, you jump ahead in the board, but oh, you don't have a ferry reservation. Well, it's just going to be faster to drive all the way around. You know, like the kind is of. Is it though? Is it? <laughs> uh, See, this is where the game's they, not realistic. This it's, is what they tell me when I'm oh. waiting at Port Townsend. They're like, oh, next ferry is going to be six hours. If you drive, you'll be there in four, you know, or whatever. I don't know. Except it's for a the, thing okay, that's Okay, but wait, no, let's, let's be real though. That's unless you get stopped at the Hood Canal Bridge because the sub's going through and you're blocked for an hour. Uh huh. And then the traffic's backed up, and then you get to the Narrows and you got to go through Tacoma. Yep. Good luck with and that. You, and then you got to go through Seattle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've I've done it, and I I say it's about a wash. It's like it's... you want to sit in your, you want to sit in your car for four hours, or do you want to drive in traffic for four hours? And I'm like, both of them sound horrible. Can I just stay in Port Townsend, please? Yeah, I guess yeah. just stay in yeah. Port Townsend. So that's, that's one of the things like the highway 20, you know, which opens and closes throughout the year. You know, right. if you land on that, you can take highway 20. So then you get to Eastern Washington faster. Uh, mm -hmm. But if it's closed, then you got to wait for the the snow to melt, you know? And uh, <laughs> yeah. And then early in the game, there's like uh, Mount St. Helens, Ash cloud. And then, then you're in like Southeast Washington and you're at the Palouse waterfall and you can get lost in the mist <clears throat> and just, just, just different, you know, funny <laughs> sort of geographic no, jokes. that's awesome. That's, I think it's a really cool idea. And so how has that been received? Uh, I'm not trying to, I guess I am asking from a commercial standpoint, was it, has it been a commercial hit? Yes, we are still small potatoes, you know, I mean, sure. it's just me and him. Um, right. But like, yeah, we put it on Kickstarter and we got 10 times our goal. So, okay. you know, that was just a home run from the beginning. Um, we're yeah. like, wow, we can, we're actually going to make this thing, you know? And so I, I want to say we sold, sold a thousand copies like within a few months. Well, that's, and, uh, that's, you're not knocking Monopoly off the charts, but no. that's, that's still, that's a, and has anyone gotten a tattoo of the bandana? Uh, no, that would be a, it would have to be like a back piece. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm always, I, I'm a double dipper is what I like to say. So a lot of times I'll do art as a commission, but I'll keep the rights and make merch out of it. Uh -huh. So like the very last thing at the on the game is you have to battle the bigfoot in spokane to win the game and the bigfoot himself was just this kind of like goofy one that i drew um but then i'm like oh yeah people love bigfoot art like people are obsessed with it so you know i pulled that bigfoot 
and I made a sticker and I made a pin and I've right. sold thousands of copies of just that thing okay. from that game. And people buy it, you know, having no idea. They're like, it's just Bigfoot. I like it. Uh, so okay. I bet somebody has probably walked in with that to a shop and been like, I want this Bigfoot on my arm, you know, but there's no way for me to know. Well, we'll put it out there, people. If you've got this, uh, if you got Brad's yeah. Bigfoot on your you got my body weird, side. scribbly, yeah. like giant Six. eyebrow Bigfoot. It's not real without pictures. So send pictures to. <laughs> totally. Okay. So but, you yeah. got any more? Do you guys have any more plans? Are you going to do any more bandana game themed things? Anything Gosh, like that? We have so many ideas for the bandana, and it's just a matter of like what we want to do next. I mean, the first idea was like we should do Oregon, and then you could let you know set them next to each other and have one big game that it connects, you know. But then we're like, okay, but do we really want to, you know, commit to the idea of doing like multiple states? And so that's kind of on the back burner, but we definitely want to continue the bandana board game idea because we think it's really cool. One mm -hmm. idea we had is a touring band, <laughs> the band in a game where you're a band on tour and you're, you know, trying to get from like Minneapolis, you know, to like, I don't know, St. Paul or whatever. And, you know, you roll the dice and you're like, Oh, your drummer quit. Like he met a stripper or, Oh, flat tire, you know, like, uh, just like from being in touring bands, you know, for oh, decades. Oh, yeah. So many like silly, weird jokes. Like, you, you know, instead of like monopoly, you get fake money. This, you get like drink tickets. Like, okay, <laughs> let me trade you these three. How many tickets do you have at the end of the game? Like, did, did you, you drink to, them all? You have to pawn your guitar to. Get, oh yeah, pawn yeah. the guitar. You know, flat tire. Like, we feel uh, like that would be a really funny, fun game. So Kevin really wants to make that this year, and either that'll be on a bandana, uh, so we can have the band and a pun, or if the game ends up being good enough, you know, we can put it on a piece of cardboard like a regular, reasonable board game. But I don't know. Man, I kind of, I kind of like the whole bandana thing because it's. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty heavy metal, too. It's like, you know, we could put a Kiss logo on there or something, just tie it to your head. <laughs> I don't but know yeah. if Gene Simmons is going to let you put the Kiss logo on oh, anything yeah, without, you, without, you know, where's do you have an extra kidney you can give the man? Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. We'll probably I mean, avoid any. We'll have just a bunch of fake. Uh, we'll call it like Smooch, and it'll yeah. be like <laughs> yeah, something uh, clown, uh, clown face band. <laughs> So yeah, more board games. Um, yeah, gosh, what else? What else are we kicking off? I guess I can't. We're gonna move more towards wholesale. Try and get the bandana game in more stores because right now it's only in like you know the six that have mm -hmm. asked us. You know, and I'm really bad at reaching out to people. I always pretty much just wait till someone comes to me and says, "Can I sell this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, why don't you sell it?" Yeah. Uh, so we really should probably just go on a road trip around Washington and. Drop drop them off to various. I would book, think that like Leavenworth. Um, oh yeah, it, you know Seattle somewhere in Seattle that's you know a touristy type location. Mm -hmm. um, you, Every town in yeah. Washington State has a gift shop that sells Washington State themed stuff, and right. so it could realistically be in all those. It's just a matter of us doing right. it. Just got to make the time to do it. So to do the thing, yeah. What so? You, so is is Lariat Creative still active? Yeah, definitely. Okay. That's my main job, I would say. That's your main your main job. And mm -hmm. so you do design work for clientele. Mhm. Mm What's your typical client? Uh it's a pretty wide range, but like just going off right what I'm doing right now, mm -hmm. I'm animating a a film about the Skagit River and so the client there is a a science organization 
okay. called uh, Skagit Climate Science Consortium. Uh, Say that three times fast. They they abbreviated SC squared, which makes okay, sense. That's... You don't have to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll do a handful of like animated videos per year. Sometimes it's like a commercial, you know, mm-hmm. that's a local commercial. Sometimes it's an explainer for a tech company. Um, sometimes okay. it's more of more of like a film. I, I made I made one a couple of years ago for the Nature Conservancy of Washington State that was oh. about the Nooksack River, and that's probably one of my favorite things I've ever done. And uh, last weekend, it was in a film festival. Oh, uh, just I, just like they asked me, they're like, can we show this film? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> you That's know, cool. like it was it was a client piece and I'm I'm sure they want more people to see it. Uh, so sometimes, you know, they're pretty like nerdy kind of glorified PowerPoint, but sometimes <laughs> they go all the way to what you would consider a movie, you know, like a short a short okay. film. So that's a big chunk of Lariat. Logo design is is a big thing, you know. Cause that's something, again, I've been dipping my toes in since I was a teenager, like making logos for my bands, eventually making logos for my buddies, bars and venues. And now to the point that I'll work with, uh, I've been in the seafood industry, which is, you know, very PNW, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, I rebranded a, a seafood company called Alaska gold seafood that are a pretty big, big one. And I just did a thing for their, they have a co-op. So I rebranded their co-op and, uh, I'm I'm working on a actually I'm getting to do my first hard cider. I just sent the PDF today. I love hard cider. It's one of my favorite things. Don't right. know why. But uh yeah, there's a new Can, brand. A new brand. Okay. New brand coming out called Analog Cider in Bellingham. And I'm I'm working out the kinks right now of the logo, like the fonts and the colors. And eventually okay. I'll I'll do the can, you know, and then gosh, next month I'm working for a company called Trout. Unlimited, which is actually like a national nonprofit uh, kind of fish conservation organization. They're based in North Carolina, but they're having their big annual event in Spokane. Okay. Um, so I think they just like Googled like Pacific Northwest Illustrator and I'm somewhere in there, you know, you maybe up. in the top 20 or whatever. And so they're like, will you do this thing for Spokane? And it's going to be a lot because it's a big event. So it's like a dozen or maybe not that many, but a lot of drawings mm-hmm. to promote this thing. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't live in Spokane. I live on the opposite end of Washington state, oh, like, but you're yeah. in Washington state. Yeah. <laughs> I'm That's... like, yes, you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 it rains there, right? Yep. Good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not as much in Spokane. <laughs> yeah. No, but, uh... no, but they don't know that they, they, <laughs> no, they think no that the entire state is one big rain shower, one big green square. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You go over the cascades and you're like, yeah. Where am I? I don't know. Yeah. Somewhere in the, the desert. Yeah, exactly. So you let's, we're going to, this is an example of shifting gears where we didn't know. Sure. We're gonna, so you like ciders. What? Yeah. Um, I love cider. Drop some names. What do you, who, what do you like? I like dry cider. I like cider that tastes like champagne basically. And uh, so who's doing interesting ciders that you're, you're enjoying? Like in Washington or, I mean, I mostly drink local stuff, but gosh, I mean like Seattle cider, I think is probably one of the best Seattle cider company because they have, they're really, they default to the drier end. So for me, that's, that's what I like in Bellingham. um, There's a couple companies, Lost Giants do good work and Bellingham cider company. I'd say Mm -hmm. that's our two big boys. We had one for a while called. Herb Cider, which is the drummer of the band Primus, who lives in Bellingham. It was his cider company, okay. uh, but they're gone, so that's too bad. Um, yeah, anything with like less than 10 grams of sugar, I'm like on board. 
You're on I know I can, I can drink more than one. If you put a little lime squeeze in there, it really helps to kind of battle the okay. kind of acidic taste sometimes. So that tastes great. But yeah, anything dry, like national brands. Gosh, I guess there aren't that many. Yeah. Oh, there's a company from Michigan called Virtue Cider okay. that I had once, and it was just like incredible. And I ended up like ordering some from them online, but they were in stores for a while. Now they're gone. Right. Uh, yeah. That whole know. space is going through so, so much. It's, I've had a lot of conversations with, with cider makers uh, really? around the state. Yeah. Cool. And, um, you know, when you think about, <clears throat> when you, when you think about, um, <sighs> Angry Orchard is kind of the, oh yeah. The Budweiser mm-hmm. of, of cider. Oh God, I hate it so much. But, but here's the thing. It's, you, you shouldn't hate it because they were able to get shelf space mm-hmm. and they got, it's just like, it's just like Starbucks. Yeah. 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 It's you, you, you can love to hate them and that's fine. And, and oh yeah, I, but I don't hate the company. I just hate the taste of the product. But for sure. they convinced us to spend $5 on a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. So that local coffee shop that you're going to now, which will come to that conversation, which is sustainable. Yeah. Because is, of that markup. Exactly. They're able yeah, to, yeah. cause you wouldn't have stopped at, you know, XYZ coffee and gone five bucks. You nuts. I can go to Denny's and drink all I want for 50 cents. Totally. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I've heard. Yeah. Totally. Angry Orchard did that for cider. Mm. Um, they were able to carve out awareness and then yep. Washington state has an abundance of early adopter um, cider makers like Snowdrift. Because of our apple scene, I would yeah, imagine. Because of the you know snowdrift over here in East Wenatchee. Um, if you like dry cider, have you ever had any snowdrift? I feel like I had to. I mean, if I see yeah. a cider, I drink it. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, I don't discriminate, so I can't. But I can't recall specifically. Yeah. So, but now snow, I will check it out. Snowdrift. Um, you know, Finn River over in Port Townsend. Oh yeah, I love Finn River. Yeah. The, the, the spicy one. Oh man, they got like the jalapeno. <sighs> Ooh. I'm not I mean, seeing, you can't drink more than one, but like yeah, one. Is. See, there's, there's some. I, I prefer my ciders a little sweeter than, than oh, you, you do. do. You're, you're, you're okay. drinking them. You're, you're, those aren't dry. Those I'm, are dusty. I mean, I'll move into semi-sweet. Like I'll, I'll, I'll go that far. But like sweet, I can't handle. Yeah, I probably more to the sweet. Okay, it. but I, 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 res- I different strokes. Different yeah, folks. and I respect, I respect this though because I think the dry stuff is where you get some real creativity. The sweet stuff's more. You can just drown it in sugar and people will buy it. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's like but, beer. Yeah. That but way. like the, the jalapeno or the. Um, <clears throat> Basil mint. That's one that's pretty exotic. Yeah. Just I admire the creativity. It's just. Meh to me. Just not my thing. <laughs> just not my thing. And sure. Sure. Um, but there's so many, there's so many great ciders. There's yeah, I love it. We we had a on LinkedIn. I I ran a quiz on our Explore Washington State page about um, what's your what's your favorite Washington State beverage? Is it you know, uh, coffee, wine, cider, or um, beer? Mm. Beer came in last. Really? I was shocked. I would have thought Whoa. beer would have. I thought beer would have beat out cider. Honestly. And it's like, what's your favorite? Yeah, it's thing just like, that's made in Washington. Yeah, your wa- one favorite of, Washington one of these State things. Yeah. Well, it, there's so much beer now too. It's almost like too much. Like, like you're like, I can't even think of my favorite beer, but I can think of my favorite cider because there's only six or whatever. But, but using, but well, actually, there's 130. 130. I mean, maybe six that I drink. That yeah. I drink, you but know. you think about, the, I mean, how many, how many, 
how many wineries are there? There's there's 120 in Walla Walla. In Walla Walla, yeah, I was gonna say. You know, you, if, <laughs> have you been in downtown Walla Walla recently? Yeah, a bunch of my best friends are from Walla Walla, so I spend so, time down there. Walla Walla is, you know, you can go into downtown Seattle when you walk around downtown Seattle. Starbucks is conveniently mapped out the exact number of steps that it takes to drink a tall latte, nice. and then conveniently enough, there's another Starbucks right there when you when you should be done. I mean, <laughs> and Walla Walla is like that with wine. You can't, oh. you cannot go anywhere in Walla Walla and not find a tasting room. It's totally, it's insane. Yeah. It's um, that climate, man. It's uh, a yeah. Mediterranean or something. Oh, I read yeah, about it's it. It's just, once. but so we've got a ton of wineries. We've got a ton of breweries. We don't have that many distilleries. I mean, we do, but not. Yeah. We're not, we're definitely not known for that, but it's, although we're getting there, our, yeah. our whiskeys are becoming quite, quite popular mm, mm -hmm. but coffee you know how many coffee how many coffee roasters are there in bellingham gosh there's a lot yeah tony's exactly. and amber yeah. and uh yeah. hammerhead and yeah, yeah there's can't there's think of them all but probably a dozen in bellingham definitely yeah, yeah i guess woods roast their own too yeah, yeah. it's mm -hmm. just so anyway this but i was shocked i would have thought cider would have been the fourth choice yeah and it wasn't well I mean, even like 10, 15 years ago, you drank a hard cider. And I remember people thinking I was drinking like a wine cooler, <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, is that an apple drink that you have? I'm like, no, it's cider. It's a thing. It's been around forever, you know, because I, I got to go to the UK and I remember like oh. going to a place that's been making cider for, you know, a thousand years or whatever, or at right. least like 800. Right. And uh, I remember buying Strongbow was the first one I had over there. And I was like drinking it. And I'm like, this is great. And it was okay. like really dry back then. Right. Since then, Strongbow has kind of copied uh, uh -huh. the Angry Orchard model and like doubled the sugar and lowered the alcohol. Right. But at the time, Strongbow was like super dry. And I was like, wow, this is this stuff rules. OK, um, but now it's like not a lot, not 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 a joke. You know, it's like it's a normal thing. OK. And that's a pretty quick turnaround from that. Like It is. And it's a it's a growing market. And um yeah, it's it's pretty interesting when you talk to cider cider girls and and then then the not to go down the the business path, but the economics of cider, it's really interesting to see the vertical integration because mm. if you're a, if you're an apple grower, you only make top dollar on really good looking fruit. Oh, and but cider it can matter. be cider can be yeah fruit. yeah that's a good so point. So you can the stuff that you used to sell for to treetop to make juice. Mm -hmm. For pennies on the pound, yeah, you now can press and turn into eight dollar a bottle ciders. Totally, life is good for you. I like that. Yeah, I'm all no, for it's it. cool. We're gonna go back to flags. Flags yeah. for two hundred. Yep. State flag. You yep. kind of think that Washington State flag is boring. I'm putting Correct. words in your mouth. Yeah. You don't feel it represents the state? Oh, no. Mm -mm. Let's, so what got you started? Uh, is this a byproduct of the Bellingham Project? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. Like I said, you know, I was not thinking about flags when I was a kid. I mean, I wasn't thinking about flags when I was 22. I wasn't thinking about flags until I made a flag. And then all of a sudden, I'm in this world of vexillology, you know, with there's TED Talks about it. There's a national organization, NAVA. North American Vexillological Association, their president and I have gotten to know each other, which is weird. Um, so I'm in this like flag world and I'm from Washington and I get to give talks about, you know, flag design and, and then, then there's Washington's flag. And then you're like, Oh, 
huh, that's kind of weird. It's just a picture of George Washington's face. And like, oh, it, it says the seal of the state of Washington on it, even though it's a flag. Like, that's kind of like having the word shoes written on a pair of socks. Like, <laughs> they're similar things, but they're not the same. Like, if you mistake one for the other, you're making a, like, mistake. Uh, so, you know, I started looking up, like, how do people feel about the Washington flag? And, like, there was a survey that went out in 2001, and it was rated, like, uh, like D minus F, maybe even F for like all the rules of flag, like flag design, like in vexillology broke the five cardinal sins, or at least four of the five cardinal sins of vexillology. And, you know, rules are arbitrary. You can make anything popular that breaks rules and that's fine. But the fact is it isn't popular. You know, you don't, you don't walk down the street and wave at your neighbor and they're flying the Washington state flag. It's, it's just not something that happens. You see the government buildings and it is very, in Washington, it's very associated with the government, you know, mm -hmm. which, and in Ted Kay's words, this is the guy from NAVA, a seal is for the government and a flag should be for the people. And then, yeah. and that's in like the, the, the Bellingham flag was like the perfect example of that. Like all of a sudden people have this way to tell the world that they love Bellingham to the point that they're getting tattoos of it or painting giant murals of it or whatever. And it's just like, I want Washington to have that, you know, and we just, we just don't. So you know, I started looking up, have other people redesigned the Washington flag? Probably 200 people have redesigned. I mean, you can see hundreds of designs out there. There's people that have been selling their redesigned Washington flags for years. In fact, I went to go buy the website, waflag.com, already taken, already taken by somebody just like me who redesigned the flag and was like, check out my flag for Washington, way better than the real one, you know? Uh, so it was this whole thing that was already happening but all of a sudden I was this like golden boy of flags and I'm like, I better do this thing too, you know? So I made one in 2017 that I thought was pretty good. Put it online, you know, definitely lots of love, lots of hate. I mean, flags are this, have this amazing way of just like getting people so passionate and they hate it or they love it. And they, you know, and it's, uh, it kind of just became this thing that was just a thing I did and I didn't put a lot of focus into it, but March 5th, which was 15 days ago, was the 100th anniversary of the Washington state flag from it okay. being officially adopted. So it was unofficial for eight years. And then uh, eventually the state was like, we need a flag. We'll just go with that one that those people made that one time and not think about it at all. Let's just do that one. So that was 100 years ago. So as I saw that date approaching, I was like, I should probably put mine out there in some way. So I did a Kickstarter last summer. Um got funded and it wasn't like a, you know, huge landmark landslide, whatever. I think I sold like 200, 300 copies, something like that. Um, but I mailed them out all over the state. So, and I was worried cause you know, most people know me in Bellingham, Western Washington, that, that that's where they were all going to land, but they're in 60 different cities that I mailed all okay. over Washington, 12 different States and a couple different countries. And that might just be flag nerds. You know, like I said, there's a whole world of people that just collect these things and love them. Um, but it's got people talking, you know, I did an interview with Columbia university a few weeks ago. They wrote this super interesting, thoughtful article, how they tied flag design to climate change. And it was, it was kind of random, but it, it was kind of cool. Cause I, I represented the glacier cascades on there and it was like a climate school or whatever. And so it's definitely starting to get people talking, which is really kind of my whole point of doing it. You know, and I know that the that they're not just going to be like Brad's flag is the new flag, and everyone has to be happy, and we all live happily ever after. Like that's not how this stuff ever works. 
Uh, but it does work. Like Utah just redesigned their state flag. And the reason they did that was because five years ago, somebody like me was like, the Utah state flag sucks. Here's a way better one. Let's 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 talk about it, you know. And it took six these things usually take about six years. Wow. And lo and behold, it worked. And you know, the same thing happened in Mississippi. Someone was like, Mississippi flag is horrible, has the battle flag of the Confederacy on it. We should probably fix that. Six years ago, somebody did one, they got really popular, and then lo and behold, they eventually redesigned. So just trying to set the wheels in motion, I suppose. Okay. So when you're not doing design. When you're not playing in a band, when you're not teaching at Western, what do you do for fun? I think those are what I do for fun. Okay. That's, <laughs> okay. that's the funny thing. Um, besides pinball, you know, I play a lot of pinball. I go to a lot of shows, so I'm very involved in my local music community. Right. And I play, I play a lot of shows. I probably play a show or two a month, but then I go to shows every week. My wife Let me is ask a you this question, songwriter, then. so I go to life. Yeah. I haven't treated you like a musical guest on the show, but I have a oh, question. Yeah. I have a question I always ask my musician guests. Okay. Um, as a musician, so this is a two-part question. Yep. As a musician, where's the best venue in Washington State that you've played at? Best venue that I've played at. As a musician, like where, like, the stage oh, yeah. is great. The green room's good, whatever. Uh -huh. I mean, what's the, what's the best venue you played at? Gosh. I mean, that's hard to say. Cause I've, yeah, I've played so many over the years. Some of them are great. Some of them are terrible. Um, I'm just going to go with something that most recently struck me was okay. I played a show at the sunset, which is a small venue in Fremont, uh, in, sorry, in Ballard in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And they recently, um, restructured the whole venue to the back room, the green room, basically being like a really cool apartment. So there's like windows to the city. There's like a fridge TVs. There's like a really cool bathroom, uh, just super cozy. Like you want to hang out there. Cause normally green rooms are just atrocious. Mm -hmm. They are disgusting, destroyed, even in nice venues. Mm -hmm. They're just this complete, despicable place right. full of penises and butt and poop jokes. Like even the fanciest venue, it's just cock and balls everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but this place is like, you would never cock and ball it. Cause you walk in there and you're like the, I, the wallpaper is beautiful in here. Or, you know, the lighting right. is pristine okay. uh, and the shows there are great. I mean, 200 cap room is, is about the kind of room that I play. You know, mm -hmm. I've never, I mean, I've played the biggest shows I've ever played were probably for like a thousand, 1500 people in yeah spaces like the size of maybe the Mount Baker theater in Bellingham or okay. I don't know the show box in Seattle or whatever, but my, my life commitment at this point is, you know, 200 person rooms right. and it's just like, yeah, I loved it. It was like, I was overwhelmed by how awesome it was. All right. The flip side of that question is as a member of the audience, where's the best oh. place to see music at in, in Washington, Washington state, in Washington state. Mm. I mean, I guess I don't travel to like the east side of the state that often. I've never been to the Gorge, which is a strange fact about me for someone who goes to multiple concerts per week. <clears throat> um, <laughs> favorite place to see a show that I'm not playing at. I mean, there was this venue and it's still there, the Columbia City Theater in South Seattle. Beautiful, again, maybe two, 300 person room, old theater converted to a venue. 
I love that place. And I don't even know if it's open anymore. It's kind of gone through ownership changes. It, it, it's a lot. still open to my knowledge. Okay, yeah. cool. It's changed hands a lot, but there was a while there in like the early 2010, there was this amazing scene there and I got to play some incredible shows there and see some incredible shows. I was living down there at the time. So I have very fond memories of that place. If I could see a show there again, I would, I guess I can, if they're still open, but uh, I played a really great place in Tacoma a couple of years ago. That was new. That was a really great experience. But again, I guess that's what's what, what place in Tacoma? Side. Um, it's not the Elks. Oh, I know the they Mc, just McMinim the Spanish I, ballroom. I think it was the Spanish. It was a, maybe a McMinimins or something. That's like McMinimins. That. They took the Elks Lodge and they renovated it in the Spanish ballroom. Is I think that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah. I was on yeah. tour with this band called Big Business, who were very very cool, and the show was great, and the people were so nice. And it's yeah, a lot of it comes down to your experience, right? Sure. It's like, is the sure. band cool? Are the people cool? Is the venue cool? That has a big swing on your interpretation. Yeah, I always like to 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 hear because I think it's interesting because if you're if you're a musician and you're performing, like mm -hmm. does the venue cater to you? Totally. Now the sunset, I could care less as a, as a member of the audience about the green room. I could yeah. Care no, less. you'd never even see it. We'll never, you know, don't care. So mm -hmm. if the room's a great room as an audience member, that's different than, than if, you know, totally. Okay. Bellingham mm -hmm, mm -hmm. coffee, coffee, Big coffee scene, I think. Where are you going to tell me to go for coffee in Bellingham? Right now, I would tell you to go to Black Fern Coffee. I have not is, heard of Black Fern. It is new. It, it opened in 2021. Okay. And it is a really cool space. There was this, we had a Georgia Pacific paper mill when I was a child that stunk to high heaven, but gave a lot of people toilet paper jobs. Yep. And it was this big mill down by the water. It's, it shut down decades ago. They gave it to the city of Bellingham for $1 because mm -hmm. it was so polluted. Yep. They took them 20 years to fix it. And by golly, they finally fixed it. And so we finally have these like new things opening down there. Lots of pretty cool, exciting new stuff. One of which is this old building called the granary. And it was literally a granary for the mill that they converted into this business space, business plex, whatever you want to call it. All right. And Blackfern is right on the ground floor. So you're right over Wacom Creek, which is the creek that flows into Puget Sound right there. And it's this beautiful place where seals swim in and they eat the salmon from the hatchery and you know, there's all this like amazing history there because it was the earliest settlements and like native, it was like a native place before that. Uh, so you're in this like beautiful location, but the coffee is amazing too. And I don't know a lot about coffee, but okay. I know that they have some very like unique machine to make the coffee with that makes it taste different okay. or something. Okay. You know, I don't know the, the science, but uh, yeah. And they're, they're new, but like people love them. They're growing, they're coming becoming a community space where, you know, local bands can play and game nights and uh, okay. poetry and, you know, like coffee shops are supposed to be cultural centers. They're supposed to be places where people think of stuff, come up with cool ideas, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, absolutely. And, and I feel like this place is like that. And so many are not, and they don't even try. They're just like, here's our white room, you know, with our steamy stuff steaming all day. That'll be $8, please. 
Uh, but this place like has personality for sure. There's a word that's coming to mind. I you told me, yeah, <laughs> word. but we won't say it. We out won't loud. say it. But there's a word. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is definitely more on the black drop end of things. In fact, yeah. I think the black fern was probably an homage to the black yeah, drop. That years. black drop coffee shop in Bellingham. R.I.P. Yeah, I, that place. Great coffee. Mm-hmm. The ambiance was skate punk, if you will. Totally. Yeah. Which is obviously, look at me. I'm I'm the epitome of skate punk. Your but, punk is F. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. And, but no, just yeah. That was that was a really cool. That's one of the most my fondest memory of coffee shops in, in throughout the entire state that I've been to. And I go to a lot of coffee wow. shops around the state. That's saying uh, something. Yeah. No, it really. Yeah, that was that was a shame to have that one bite the dust. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they moved into a bigger space and and they were doing well for a while and I just I don't know what happened. They flew too close to the sun. Maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, businesses are hard. I mean, you 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 know, there's there's yeah, yeah, business is hard. I have a question for you. Okay. Does anybody ever do that? Yeah, every now and then. Uh, cuz you love Washington mm-hmm. and you and you know a lot about it and I love Washington and I love music. What's the highest selling musician from Washington state in the history of Washington state? Like most albums sold. I'm going to go with my knee jerk reaction and say Bing Crosby. Kenny F and G baby. You said musician. (laughs) Sorry. Who's the sexy sax? Who's the highest selling? (laughs) uh, Who's the highest selling? elevator music that in washington no. kenny g huh kenny mother f and g and the dude has been at it for 50 years oh yeah so, fun fact in 49 yeah uh 30 albums maybe oh you I mean, know? He's, he's and he prolific. didn't do he's never done heroin like he's never driven a car off a cliff like no. he so his whole his whole thing is sustainable it's a sustainable model of making music right well that's why i was thinking bing crosby be, also because how old bing how long is. it's been around right so that he's yeah, had yeah. all these years of back catalog sales but totally okay. it wouldn't it wouldn't be the new hot edm right. band. it wouldn't be well i mean let's let you know Jimi hendrix well he kind of Jimi hendrix yeah i mean kurt cobain obviously but it's like kurt unfortunately checked out when he was 27 so did jimmy you know? oh yeah exactly the 27 club so <laughs> i wonder where kenny was on his 27th birthday <laughs> in a bubble Probably had a nice quiet night at home <laughs> yeah you know, he got he got to sleep real early. Had plenty of sleep. Yeah, I mean, I just you know, I, I warm milk this. and cookies before bed, and yeah, yeah, just, <laughs> whatever healthy sax players do. Yeah, wow. I remember looking that up and being like, "That's crazy," but also kind of does make sense. Yeah, I mean, I I, I shouldn't disparage Kenny G. I not my thing of you know music, but hey, yeah, if you like it, it's good. If it yeah, makes no. you happy, yeah, I mean, good for him, and that mm-hmm. he's been able to be. An artist for, still crushing well, he's been it. able to be an artist for that many years i mean it's you, you got to tip your cap to everybody absolutely speaking of tipping caps um have you been to a bellingham bells game oh i have been to a bells game okay i have been to a bells game and a lot of fun do you enjoy them oh love them live for them every really? tuesday it's two dollar tuesday so you can get a two dollar boundary bay beer which is one of our oldest breweries and I think the cheapest Boundary Bay beer in the city would be like six bucks on a good day, you know, maybe okay. five at ha- five at happy hour. Okay. Uh, so that rules. But I have a, I do have a very long history with uh, Bellingham minor collegiate baseball. 
mm-hmm. as I grew up next to the stadium. So, oh, well, okay. I said I grew up on the Nooksack River, which is true, but my parents split when I was very young, four or three. My mm-hmm. dad moved into town and he moved right like two blocks from uh, Joe Martin Stadium. Okay. So I started going to games, you know, late 80s when we were uh, – Triple uh, A team, Bellingham. No, you're Mariners. never Triple A. You're never Triple A. It was single A. Single, single A. You're single okay, because Triple A would is, be Tacoma. Oh, Tacoma's. okay. So it's like a reverse. Like three is good, two is middle, one is like the smallest. Is that how? Yeah. And then okay, yeah. That's what I'm. Yeah, I knew yeah. we were low down because Ken Griffey Jr. played for the the Bellingham Mariners. He did. Yeah, for yeah. One, one season, season like maybe? One, maybe like three games or something, just enough for them to print baseball cards and make a fortune. Totally, and that would have been like 1987. <laughs> something to, to that effect. Yeah. Um, he was 17 years old. I, I remember that, yeah. but um, I wasn't there yet. Two years later, I would have been there. Mm-hmm. So started seeing Bellingham Mariners games. Eventually, they became the Bellingham Giants, which was, uh, I think, a division of San, San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my dad was a real estate agent at the time, and a real estate agent that he worked with owned the concessions at the stadium. Like, okay. cause the, yeah, there's the people mm-hmm. that own the team and the people that own the right. concessions or the field. I don't know anyhow, but I got to like throw out the first ball when I was like eight, you know? And like, at the time I thought I was at the kingdom, you know, who knows when you're eight, right? <laughs> okay. Like it felt like real baseball, you know? And I know that it still is a far cry from it, but sometimes it feels like real baseball when you don't look at the errors numbers and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I've had just like a long and the our collegiate team bells now. I want to say we're like twenty years that we've been going ish. Uh, um, you are one of the original teams in the West Coast League, which started in nineteen ninety nine. There you go. Um, yeah, you, you, so twenty four maybe. Yeah, you've been around in, in the West Coast League for that long. Totally. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'll go to every bell. I mean, I go to bells games every summer. I think I was on tour or I was playing music. I was out of town when we played the Apple Sox. Otherwise, uh, definitely would have been at that game. Yeah, I was uh, I was supposed to go to that, and it just didn't work out. My buddy Joel was at the Apple Sox stadium watching on the like jumbotron or however they did it there. Well, it's not a jumbo; it's a it's a small tron, <laughs> mediotron, uh, <laughs> mediotron. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was at the game where they won the WCL uh, championship, maybe like eight years ago. Okay. 10 years ago. I don't remember exactly when it was. Um, But yeah, you know, it's just, especially with my dad, you know, having lived in the apartment, it's just like a fun thing we get to do together every summer. And then I, you know, my friends go and. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun evening of something to do. Even if you're not a baseball fan, it's kind of fun to go to. I, it's, you can't, you can't beat it. It's like peanuts, hot dogs, beer, like yelling, you know, Mm -hmm. singing along to Louie Louie or whatever. Right. We have some characters too. We have this guy that sings. Um, take me out to the ball game every game. And like, he's almost like one of our unofficial mascots. Our mascot is Dinger, like a giant hamster. But this dude is definitely like close second place. Mm-hmm. And I don't know his name, but he like never sings it right. Uh, like he sings the words right, but he's always like way off, like rhythmically. Um, <laughs> but like, and everybody is almost like adapted to him. It's like, take meet me out you know like there's like a delay that we all kind of like follow along oh, with because awesome. he's like such a poor singer but he has so much passion you know we all admire his passion so that's very cool that's right. really fun and then there's all kinds of you know goofy games i remember my dad played a game when i was a kid where he like threw uh baseballs at like vinyl records that he was supposed to break and was like break the record i have this like vivid memory of him on the field doing one of those mini games 
And then okay. we run the kids run with the hamster halfway through the game. Everybody get on the field, run with Dinger. They play these terrible, like annoying, high pitched music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's endearing. Yeah, it's all endearing. Minor league baseball is. By the time you get to to major league baseball, which is I love it, I love baseball, but mm-hmm. going to a Mariners game is like going to Nordstrom's. It's sure. just very corporate. Yeah. It's yeah. fun, but there's, you know, everything is scripted to the mm. split second. And that's yeah. great. Sure. <clears throat> when you go to a minor league game, it's chaos. Sure. Um, things that shouldn't happen, happen all the time. It, not, you know, things that you wish would happen don't happen. Some nights are magical. Some nights are train wrecks. That's the mm-hmm. charm of it. It is. And I feel like there's some parallels we can draw here between like these 200 person rooms that I'm playing. It's the collegiate baseball of music. Yeah. <laughs> like I went to see Bruce Springsteen at Climate Pledge Arena, got free tickets. Not that I wouldn't buy if I had the money because I love the boss, but I again, as a person that goes to uh, music every week, haven't been to a concert of that size, maybe even in my whole life, you know, okay. a stadium, an arena show. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. He played for three hours. Mm-hmm. It's just mind boggling. But I wanted a drink, a single alcoholic drink. Mm-hmm. And it was $22 mm-hmm. for a can of drink. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just like, ugh. and I mean, that's what you're paying, I guess, at the hockey game. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. same vendors, you know? Yep. So that's the Nordstrom. Thing yeah. It's there. just it, the cost of maintaining these big arenas, the cost of Bruce Springsteen being on tour, mm-hmm. um, all of these things make it difficult right. to, and I'm not saying you should go to go to a concert and get hammered. But it's difficult <laughs> to very expensive to enjoy in a three hour show one can of beverage. Uh-huh. You might have liked to have had two. I would have loved to have had two. It yeah. was, and it's yeah. just at twenty two bucks, you're like and then the tip is like, do you want to tip twenty percent? Like fifty percent? I'm like doing the math, like five dollars to hand me the can, I guess. Was there a was there a lender there to loan you the money at eighteen <laughs> percent so you could buy a second? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why don't no. you buy this timeshare uh, version of your drink, you know? And then you could just you could just pay into it every year and then the drink will be waiting for you when you come back. Yeah, I know. It's uh well we're going to wrap this up, but I got to ask you, since you, you got to go see Springsteen, mm-hmm. it was a good show. It was a great show. Yeah. Do you feel like it was a scripted show or do you feel like he was out there? I mean, he's obviously playing. It's it's He's got a set list, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll this. Let me explain. I saw John Mellencamp in Spokane. Okay. And it was in about a 3000 seat arena. Hmm. Musicians are amazing. I mean, his his band is just phenomenal. Yeah. I watched a DVD of John Mellencamp, and it was the exact same show. Oh, yeah. With the exact same jokes. Mm-hmm. It, it was like, and, and I get it. You know, you're not going to go and make up new lyrics to Jack and Diane Mm-mm. or Thunder Road. <laughs> But it was, John Mellencamp was so heavily scripted. And when I realized that, and, and I realized that after, you know, after 
seeing it. I was so disappointed in him. I mm. I was so excited to see him. I I, I like his music a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I realized that I could have just stayed home and watched the DVD, mm. and, and and gotten the exact same experience. Sure. So, do you think Springsteen was that heavily scripted, or do you think there was some some as a musician? Do you feel like there was some improvisation and a little bit of, you know, did they meander a little bit? I mean, they jammed a lot. Okay. In fact, like the versions of, cause I've, one thing I heard about is that Bruce never really plays the song live the way he recorded it, which right. I didn't really know until I saw. And I was like, Oh, big time. Mm-hmm. Like he only played one song off of Nebraska, which is my favorite record, which is, you know, was he recorded with a four track in a hotel Mm-hmm. Uh, but he turned it into like the most like silly, like jam version of the song that it was almost unidentifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the show itself is uh, untraditional from his music. Okay. However, I would agree that it had to have been like everything had to have been orchestrated because they okay. played for three hours. They never stopped, like almost never stopped making music, period. Wow. Like, like people would clap and before you were done clapping, like they're in the next song and wow. they never stopped to tune. They just exchanged guitars the whole show. So while he, while the drummer's playing, he's handing his guitar to get the next one, you know? And uh, he only did like one or maybe two solo songs, which I thought like, okay, three hour show, like he's got to like right. just walk up and play, you know, uh, I don't know, Darkness on the Edge of Town, something from Darkness on the Edge of Town, something like Intimate. And it, yeah, it only happened like once or twice. And then he did this really ridiculous thing where he's like, you've just seen the heart stopping, panty dropping, Viagra popping. Like he did this like crazy alliteration, long drawn out thing of of the E Street Band. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. And then I saw like a TikTok video of somewhere else of him being like, you just saw the heart stopping, dropping. I'm like, okay, so that's the, yeah, he practiced that a lot. Practice that, um, Okay. So yeah, he had to have rehearsed everything, okay. but also as like a 70 year old man, it's oh, yeah. just like insane. And even his drummer, Max Weinberg, I remember being like, I was there with one of my old drummers. And I'm like, that dude is sitting weird. Cause he was like, back was like perfectly straight. Right. And he just was like, so focused. And he's like, that's how you have to sit. If you're playing drums for three hours in your seventies, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm getting sore. Just sitting here in this chair. Oh, no. Right. Yeah. So like everything okay. there had to be like perfect in order for them to do what they did, I think. Okay. So yeah. yeah, very organized. All right. Yeah. We've never talked Bruce Springsteen on the show before. That's kind of cool. But it was a <laughs> Seattle show, so it's still Washington related. Okay. It was Carl right. Pleasurina. Uh two, yeah. Two last questions for you. Okay. Uh number one, what didn't we talk about that we should have? Okay. Uh well, we talked that I do animation of for like nature conservancy of washington state science groups bands whoever uh logo design we talked a little bit about that teaching um i guess some of the other flags that i've done are are interesting to talk about let's do it so my second most popular flag i've ever designed is called the big old orca face and it is literally just a giant picture of an orca whale's face and i did it for Seattle. So we talk about city flags, right? We, t- we talk about there's 20 new flags for Washington state in the last seven years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bellingham's up there. Spokane is up there. Walla Walla is up there. Um, Seattle still has a horrible, horrible flag that they've had for way too long. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe like five, six years ago, people in Seattle, Seattle Times, strangers started kind of getting keen on that, writing articles, being like, send us your ideas. And so I made this like pretty reasonable design that was like an emerald, the Emerald City. And it was laid out just right that it looked like it was an isthmus. And so I sent it to the Seattle Times and they published it. You know, they put it in the paper and people seemed to really like it. And then the Seattle Stranger also did an article and also did, but they were like, we want to have a contest and we want to make a real, we want to make a new flag for Seattle. Kind of like the one that I did for Bellingham, you know, but you know, not having anything to do with the government, but it's a stranger. So they're like sarcastic. They're weird. You know, they're oddballs. So Mm -hmm. I sent them Mm -hmm. my emerald. Right. And then I also sent them big old orca face, excuse me, giant orca whales face, black, white, red, Mm-hmm. simple um but i sent it under a fake name and a fake email my pseudonym was chet clapper and i just was like this is so ridiculous and i have this actual flag like reputation now i probably shouldn't have like this ridiculous flag that's almost kind of making fun of you know flags uh but they became obsessed with orca face like before the contest even started they were like this is this is gonna win they were like mm-hmm. everyone needs should vote for this this is the best People started making their own fan Twitters for it, like photoshopping it onto stuff. Uh, people on Reddit just went nuts. They're like, make this the flag of Seattle. Holy crap, it's so funny, so fun. It was the Bodie McBoat face of flags, like accidentally. So both my flags get picked in the top 10 for the contest. And I think they got like 100 designs. So that's not like amazing. But I was like, oh, cool. I'm you know fighting against myself. Right, right. And so everywhere on all my social media, I'm saying, vote for the Emerald, vote for the Emerald, vote for the Emerald. Beat the Orca, beat the Orca. You know, Orca sucks. Um, <laughs> and they're just battling each other. Like the votes, you can see the votes coming in and like they're first and second place. And like, you know, one pulls ahead and then the other pulls ahead and the other pulls ahead. And I was like, this is hilarious. And I can't wait to tell everybody that I did the joke one, you know? And then the contest ends, <clears throat> the Orca ends up getting like 2000 more votes than the Emerald. Uh, getting way more votes than everybody else. And I was like, I have to come clean. So I like emailed them. I'm like, called them. I'm like, just let you guys know, like I did both. And I'm sorry if I tricked you, but like, I didn't mean for this to happen. I didn't think you would like the Orca. I didn't think you'd get obsessed with it and tell everybody <laughs> to vote for it. Um, so then they got really mad. They were really upset that I did that. Oh no. Yeah. And then they were, then they started looking at the voting and there was actually a lot of bot voting happening. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who, how, where, what, when, why would that happened. Maybe these Reddit people started just trying to overtake it. Cause it was just like a survey that you clicked. The security was very low. Okay. Uh, so they took out all the fake votes and it still won by like more. The Orca was like way above everybody, but the end of the day, they're like, we're disqualifying you. So they kicked the orca out. They kicked the emerald out and they went with like the third place flag, which was just kind of like a redesign of the one that they have, which has like chief Seattle's profile image. It's just the city logo of right. Seattle with like right. a rope around it. But it didn't matter because people love the orca and mm-hmm. it, it like people wanted it. So I had to like, I, I bought seattlecityflag.com. I started making like joke. I, and on the, on the uh, being real on the header, I say the officially disqualified orca face people's flag, right, you know, right. like just leaned into it's like ridiculousness, like Fox news, national Fox news ended up writing an article about it being like, see people in Seattle cheat too. Or, you know, it was the weirdest <laughs> Oh my God. In the comments, there was like 700 comments. And if I had word clouded that, it would have been like 
uh, like libs, like cheaters, like Obama, like Hillary. Like, what does that have to do with this orca whale I made? Uh, <laughs> but the fallout from that has been really interesting. And people have gotten tattoos of it, just like Bellingham flag. Like, I, I, I see a tattoo artist in Seattle will tag me and be like, orca flag tattoo. And I'll be like, oh, my God. <sighs> uh, so I've made hundreds of those. Uh, I made masks that covered your face that made you look like an orca face face. Right. Uh, which was pretty popular in the pandemic. So that's like, I'd say, I like to call that the cautionary tale of Chet Clapper because I kind of shot myself in the foot. If I hadn't made Orca, Emerald might've been picked and it might even be the new city flag of Seattle at this point, you know? Right. Or if I hadn't made Emerald, maybe Orca would have picked. It wouldn't have been the new city flag no. of Seattle, <laughs> no. but it might've gotten a bigger, you know, spread wider and farther than who knows, but okay. Uh, yeah. So if you, if anybody's interested, if they just Google Orca face and I, I mean, I send them every day, I mail them to people in Seattle, but also people across the country. They just like see it and think it's hilarious, you know? Um, so yeah, Orca face flag, weird okay. story. That's I'm glad, I'm glad we brought that. That's, it would have been a shame to leave that out. Oh, and that's the only design I've ever trademarked. So okay. it, it's actually the opposite of the, right of the, you know, put it in the public domain right. sort of thing. Like, cause I've made thousands of graphics that are on the internet, you mm -hmm. know, that anybody could just print off and steal. But Orca face, I was like, somebody's gonna, someone's gonna try and steal this. So that is the one that I have okay. like a framed trademark. And it says like, uh, you know, pseudonyms, Chet Clapper. Like, you know, I, I like went through all the legalese to make it legit. Uh, so nobody steal my Orca baby. Okay. All right. That, I'm glad you, that's awesome. So here's my last question of you for tonight. Okay. You ready? Mm -hmm. Very yep. important question. Excellent. Cake or pie and why? Oh man. It's my birthday right now too. Like I had multiple cake and pie last weekend. Oh gosh. Does ice cream cake count as cake? It can, and you're not the first person to have said that. So. <laughs> ice cream cake all the way. Okay, ice delicious cream cake cookie for the crunch, ice cream creaminess. There's always some cake involved. There's right. like a thick, spongy, cakey layer. Mm -hmm. uh, just DQ straight from DQ. Don't go anywhere else. Why would you? DQ ice cream cake better than any pie. I mean, pie is great, but it needs ice cream to be better. You know, okay. you want a hot slice of apple pie. You want a cold scoop of vanilla on top there. Guess what that is? That's ice cream pie. That's not pie anymore. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, that's my answer. There we go. It's such a simple question. And yet most everybody over, it, not, I don't want to say over analyzes it, but mm -hmm. the look on their face like. <laughs> uh, I mean, pie is better in the long term, I think, because it's just more variety and uh, there's fruit involved. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, especially crappy cake. I would take a crappy pie over a crappy cake any day because crappy cake is just like just like mostly icing, you know, and it's it's like, why am I even eating this? The kind that you have in like a break room on a birthday party in an office is just like torture. No one enjoys that. But like slice of apple pie, you can't beat that. But now what about like an orca face cake? Like somebody... uh, it's probably happened. I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, there's been some really weird orca face stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, oh yeah. There's a Snapchat lens that has like billions of use, uses, uses. Uh, and I don't think people have any idea what it is. They're just like, I want to put this whale on my face and have the mouth move. <laughs> uh, but, oh yeah. There's gotta be a cake out there somewhere. Oh my gosh. All right. 
Thank you for making this happen. This was a lot of fun for me. Absolutely. Thank you uh, for having me. We're going to put links in the show notes to you to, to, so they can find, find you online. If cool, not, not that Google doesn't work for that as well, but you know, we'll put the, we'll put them there to, you don't have to just ask Jeeves and you'll find me. Ask Jeeves. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. Talk to you soon. All right. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at Explore State. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at explorewashingtonstate.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.